Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 13 years, 400 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 follow by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us for this Super Bowl 52 edition of Sports Business Radio. We're going to recap the game, give you our thoughts, ads, NBC's coverage, some other things associated with the game. I hope you enjoyed it. What a game it was. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, and I think you're right. It was, uh, th- I think you, as a Super Bowl or as a fan of sports, you want the game to be like that. A close game throughout, you know, uh, back and forth kind of a little bit, you know, and, and I think that kind of makes the whole, the whole package work for me when you got a good game, because it's like, if the game's a blowout, you're kind of in and out, you're not watching everything, but when it's close like that, you're, you're, you know, you're tuned in the whole time, which is fun. Let's talk about several different layers of the game, and, and let's start with, you know, what we seem to talk about on this show every year around the game is the commercials. Okay, so here's some nuts and bolts: five point two million dollars advertisers spent for a thirty second spot during Super Bowl Fifty Two on NBC. NBC sold out on Friday of all the spots, so you know everything paid for. And Griggs, what I tell people. And we've had people from Budweiser, we've had ad buyers, we've had all these people on over the years who talk about the Super Bowl spot because it is a spendy thing. It's not just the 5.2 that you're spending. It is the production for the spot. Are you paying a celebrity to be in the spot? Um, we saw a lot of movie trailers this year. And I said, I tweeted out at SB Radio, one of the reasons that makes sense for the movie studios is They've already paid the talent, right? The talent's already in the movie. You already have a movie trailer, so you've already done that production. So it's pretty much cut and paste. Like, hey, here's the trailer. Maybe we run an extended trailer, 90 seconds for the Super Bowl spot. But they already have all of that. They don't have to go pay someone separately to be in the spot and then produce the spot. So it makes a lot of sense for them. Griggs, what were some of your favorite spots? And then I'm going to tell you my top five. I have top three, and uh, it was the Morgan Freeman with uh, what's his name, Peter uh, Dink. Uh, drink. I can't say his name. I never. I always forget. His I name. think it's Peter Dinkage. Dinkage. Yeah, that was good. The Doritos Mountain Dew was funny when they come out rapping and stuff. I like that one. I like the NFL um, Eli Manning and uh, and uh, good, Odell, uh, Beckham. Odell Beckham Jr. That yeah. was good. <laughs> that was funny. And then I think my favorite was the uh, Alexa Luster voice. I thought that was hilarious. That was really good <laughs> that too. Was probably my favorite one. Those are my top three. So the ones that I listed, and and we have some of the same. So I thought the NFL's, you know, Dirty Dancing, Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr., Eli Manning. You know, one of the things that makes these spots good is when they're unexpected. Yeah. And Eli's funny, but a lot of people think, well, he's not as funny as Peyton. Right. Um, he didn't have a great year with the Giants. Like, this was an unexpected spot. Odell Beckham was hurt. So... The personality of the spot and of the two of them, and at the end where you know Odell Beckham Jr. comes running to him and he catches him, like Patrick Swayze did with yeah. Jennifer Grey in yeah. Dirty Dancing, it was really funny, very clever. 
So I really like that spot. Um, another one that made my top five, and I tweeted these all out at SB Radio if you missed them and want to see them. Uh, Michaela Schifrin is going to be a big star uh, at the Olympics, Yeah, everyone's saying. So, you know, she has spent a lifetime preparing for the Olympics. And basically, I, you know, I have a daughter. So the spot was based on how she not only competes, but she beats the boys. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. I thought it was well done. Um, the Australia spot. You know, everyone thought it was a movie trailer. That was good, yeah. With Hensworth and, and some of the other people in it. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is a, an ad for Australia. It's yeah. a tourism ad. And that was unexpected and, and clever. Um, the Toyota spot with, uh, Lauren Wollstonecroft, you know, it says never let her disabilities stop her. Um, start your impossible. So, you know, some people would go, well, gosh, what does that have to do with a car commercial, Toyota? You know, part of the thing with these ads, Griggs, is do you remember the company yeah. that is running the ad? Or is it just like, oh, yeah, I remember the actors. It was funny, but I don't remember what the product was. Well, you know, with this Toyota ad, it was really heartfelt. And I remembered the company at the end of it. And uh, it made my top five. So the other ad that got a lot of talk was the Tide ad, right? <laughs> so, like, is it a Tide ad? <laughs> and, and you know, they ran a few of the ads, yeah. but it was basically, like, if it's clean, it's a Tide ad. And that also stuck with me, right? So now you're watching the other ads, and you're like, okay, they have a clean shirt. Is it a Tide <laughs> ad? Like, you're starting to watch yeah. the rest of the commercials going, is this going to turn into a Tide ad? Yeah. And... That was memorable, and I remembered what the product was. So I also like the Alexa. I would say, you know, that's probably 5A for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they are like, oh, my gosh, Alexa lost her voice. <laughs> Who's the voice? And, you know, they bring in all these other <laughs> voices. Yeah. yeah, stunt voices. <laughs> and and that was clever, too. And I will say this, Griggs, for the last, I'd say, five years, I was really disappointed in the ads around the Super Bowl. Yeah. This year, I don't know if... The companies push the ad agencies harder. I don't know if the agencies just came up with better creative, but the ads were more memorable to me. They were more clever to me, and I thought this was the first year in five years where the ads were up to snuff with Super Bowl ad standard. It's been a while, too. I agree with you, and I think the key for the guys that were doing the ads and the agencies, um, they're more memorable. You remember the products. Right. Like just when I went through my top three, I didn't I, I didn't have to look. I knew what it was just by re- remembering the ads. So it's like, and that's the key. Obviously, you want, you're spending, you know, five plus million dollars to get these ads on. You want people to remember, oh, I know the Dorito ad was this one. Boom. And you know what it is. So I think that's the key. And I think you're right. I think more of them were, were, uh, cr- were creative and memorable. And uh, there were some funny ones in there. The movie trailers were fun, too. I love seeing, you know, the new Jurassic Park, the Star Wars. That was a surprise. I don't think yeah. many people saw Solo. that one coming. Solo. Yeah. So that was kind of fun yeah no those were good and and there's such epic ads those movie trailers Mm -hmm. and you know if you look at a movie like solo or jurassic park they're gonna make a lot of money yeah so for them to spend you know 10 15 million dollars on an ad it really isn't that much right and a lot of people are gonna see it and again you have a lot of casual fans not just diehard sports fans that are tuned in during Super Bowl. Uh, if you want to sh- search the hashtag BrandBowl52, Twitter did their first BrandBowl, and there's some interesting 
uh, social media conversation around the ads at hashtag brandbull52 from our friends at Twitter if you want to check that out. But overall, Griggs, I thought the ads were much better this yeah. year. Those were some of our favorites. Let's talk about the coverage by NBC. You know, the game starts, we're on the West Coast, so the game starts at, at 3.30 our time, 6.30 Eastern. Uh, our time, NBC comes on the air with their pregame show at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Crazy. So you're on, let's see how my math is, six and a half hours before <laughs> yeah. game time. And you got a lot of airtime to fill. And I thought they did a pretty good job of, you know, what's going on in Minneapolis, player profiles, uh, things leading into the game. Uh, I thought Dan Patrick sit down with Tom Brady was pretty good. You know, it, it was good. I, I wouldn't say there was anything where I was like, oh, my God, that piece just blew me away. Yeah. But it was solid. And then, you know, the game itself, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, I thought they were on top of it for the most part. There were some critical calls, especially Ertz's touchdown at the end, where you're like, did the ball survive the ground or not? And, you know, they both thought that that was going to stand as a touchdown, and it did. Which, you know, brings me to another point. I have no idea what a catch is in the NFL anymore. (laughs) I mean, the Jesse James catch looked very similar to that Zach Ertz catch, and they didn't say the Jesse James catch was a catch when the Steelers played the Patriots, and then the Patriots win that game, and the same thing could have happened last night. But overall, I thought Michaels and Collinsworth were pretty solid. What did you think? I agree. I think, I mean, it's Al Michaels' 10th Super Bowl. He knows it well. I've always been a fan of him. He's just smooth. He knows the game. He knows the, you know, he just knows it. Collinsworth is always a little bit quirky, but I've, I like their coverage. It looked good, uh, sounded good. Um, sideline reports were good. Yeah, I think uh, they were on top of it, you know, with the injuries, like when Brandon Cooks went out. She was, I think it was who, Lisa. Michelle Tafoya. Michelle Tafoya, yeah. Was down there and right Pretty much instantaneous. Right. We knew what was happening. Yeah. And, and that's key because I think as a fan, when you're not at the game or you're not there, you don't really know, oh, this guy, we never see him again. You don't know what happened to him. So it's kind of good to be updated. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, and even Al Michaels referenced the uh, catch, no catch was going to rear its ugly head. And sure enough, it does. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was great. I think NBC is probably my, one of my top favorite for sports coverage. We love their Olympic coverage too. So, which by the way, a lot of Olympic, uh, a lot spots of, too. yeah. So that was kind of neat. But yeah, that think, gets started this week. Yeah, so. this week, right. So. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now back to our conversation. The fourth down calls by Doug Peterson, maybe two of the gutsiest calls <laughs> I've ever seen in the Super Bowl, and they take place in the same game. So, Fourth down towards the end of the first half, you're like, okay, just take the points. Like, this is the Patriots. Just, you can get points on the board. Take the points. This guy 
says, you know what? We're going for it. And not only are we going for it, but we're going to pull out a play that has Nick Foles turning into a receiver and catching the ball for a touchdown. And later in the game, in the fourth quarter, it's fourth and one at like midfield. So if you give Brady the ball back and he's got 500 plus yards at this point, you can pretty much assume they're going to score. Whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, Patriots are going to score. You probably lose the game. You know, they say if you want to beat a champion, you got to step on the champion's neck. And I thought that Doug Peterson coached with that mentality in the Super Bowl. He wasn't going to sit back and let the game come to him. He attacked the game. And he knew if he was going to truly take down the Patriots, he had to make calls like that. And he went two for two on those calls. And rarely do you see a a coach take that kind of risk in that kind of a game, and then you rarely see it go two for two. And then I cannot emphasize this enough. I can't even emphasize this enough. I've watched sports. I'm 49 years old. I don't know that I've seen a more impressive performance from someone who no one thought had it in him than what Nick Foles did. I mean, Nick Foles did everything they asked him to do. And it wasn't like, you know, usually you remember back to like when Detmer was the quarterback for the Ravens and they won the Super Bowl. Sometimes you say, hey, let's just not let our quarterback lose the game for us. Let's run the ball. Let's play good defense. We're going to close the playbook. We're going to come up with like 10 plays and we're going to hope the quarterback doesn't blow the game for us. Peterson didn't do that. He opened up the playbook for Foles. Foles made passes that were Brady and Aaron Rodgers-esque. He didn't have a conservative approach. He wasn't afraid of the moment. And for any athlete out there, and I saw a lot of tweets that said this, but for any athlete out there who either isn't getting the opportunity they think they deserve or you know they're on the bench or their second team, Look what Nick Foles did. He waited for his opportunity. Yes, someone had to get hurt once to give him that opportunity. Yes, he'll go back to being a backup unless he gets traded to another team where they need a starter. But what a testament to him for coming in, seizing the moment, and not just managing the game, but just like Doug Peterson, he attacked the game, Griggs, and he played phenomenal. Yeah, it was great to watch. I mean, look at you, 1,151 yards total between the two teams. That's ridiculous. Philly had 538. I mean, they went 10 for 16 on third down. Uh, Foles, I think the first three plays were pass plays. Right. I mean, and some of those passes, th- threading defense, he looked phenomenal. And those passes over the top to Jefferson in the end zone, that first touchdown. Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, or Jeffrey, yeah, incredible. I mean, he, he looked like he'd played in that game three or four times. Right. Like, it was, it was fun to watch. And another guy that doesn't get interest as, or, you know, as much coverage, their kicker, rookie, Jake Elliott, three yeah. field goals in that game, a 46 yarder, 42 yarder. I mean, he's, Right down the middle. He looked like he'd played in seven Super Bowls. Right. I mean, and he was key in getting those, the points on the board when they needed it. That was the other thing. You know, you come out, and a lot of times in the first quarter, you can see the nerves. Mm-hmm. And with the Eagles, they came out. They were not afraid of the moment. Yeah. They were not nervous. And they were like, you know what? We belong on this stage, even without Carson Wentz. And, you know, as I tweeted out last night, this is the Super Bowl champion now. Getting back a top five player in the league. Wentz was third in the MVP voting. And he's going to be their quarterback next year. Now, I don't know that he could do any better than Foles did in the Super Bowl, as I just said. <laughs> yeah. But Wentz is that dude. Like, he's pretty special. He's yeah. young. Um, 
he he's going to have them back there. I would be surprised if they're not back there because I think Peterson's a good coach. I think as long as they can maintain their core, they're going to be competitive in that game for a while. But I can't say enough for Nick Foles. I'm so happy for him. He gets to go to Disney World. He got to do the Disney World. <laughs> hey, I'm going to Disney World. He gets the MVP spotlight. You know, like if I were him, you could probably make money uh, A, as a backup with Philadelphia or B, Someone would probably pay him to be the starter. So I, I never say turn down $25, $30 million a year. But, boy, if you ever thought about riding off into the sunset, <laughs> maybe not the worst time to do it because uh, you go out on top. And, and that was a dream game. So, And he and the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles will never buy a cheesesteak again in Philadelphia. <laughs> like They are part of sports lore in Philadelphia. First championship for the Eagles. Congratulations to them. Um, more on the Super Bowl and the halftime show in a minute. But, Griggs, let's talk about the New England side of the coin. So, Brandon Cooks, as you mentioned, goes out early. He's their deep threat. He's probably their number one receiver along with Gronk. And he was dancing around and trying to get more yardage, and he just got clocked by Malcolm Jenkins. And as soon as he got hit, you knew he was done because they've got the concussion protocol. So unless they were going to do something sneaky and take him into the tent and pretend that he's not hurt and throw him back out on the field, you knew with that spotlight on the game, they weren't messing around with bringing him back into the game. So now you've lost your number one receiver. You're already down Julian Edelman because he's out for the year. So you've got... Uh, Amadola, you've got Gronk, who ran some iffy routes yesterday. He didn't look 100%, <laughs> even though he had a good game. You know, and Brady was Brady. He had more yards passing than any quarterback in any postseason game in NFL history. Not just the Super Bowl, any postseason game in NFL history. That's how good he was. And they still lost. But for me, you know... It's rare that I'm not going to say Belichick was out coached, but Peterson again stepped on his neck on yep. those two fourth down calls, which I don't think the Patriots were expecting at all. And their defense. I mean, if you're the Lions and, and you're hiring Patricia as your head coach, are you like, uh, you just gave up 41 points? And by the way, there was the whole mystery about Malcolm Butler, who was the MVP of mm-hmm. the Super Bowl a few years ago. Like, why did he not play? What was going on there? He had some terse comments for the Patriots organization after the game. You'd have to think they're probably going to part ways. And that brings me to this point. So afterwards, Rob Gronkowski, and, and look, anytime you just lost the Super Bowl in that kind of fashion, you're going to be emotional after the game. But he said, I'm, I'm, you know, really contemplating whether or not I'm going to play. I got to think about retirement. I'll get back to everyone in a few weeks. A lot of people don't know this about Rob Gronkowski. Griggs, in his whole playing career, He's never touched the money that he's earned from the Patriots. The only money that he's ever spent is the money he makes from endorsements. He's he's set. I mean, this guy is really smart with his finances, and he doesn't need football anymore. He's had countless surgeries. Is this the end of the line for Gronk? Because his body, you have to think like, hey, when he's 50 years old, what's that going to feel like after all these surgeries? He's got money. Is he going to come back? That's going to be a question mark. Some people are wondering if Bill Belichick is going to come back. Uh, you know, the coordinators at this moment, it looks like McDaniels is going to go to the Colts. It looks like Patricia is going to go to the Lions. But there were whispers as of this recording that if Belichick was going to step aside, maybe Patricia and McDaniels don't leave now. And they assume a bigger role with coaching that team. Maybe McDaniels becomes the head coach 
and Patricia takes on an assistant head coach type of role. But other than that, I would expect both those guys to leave. So now if you're Belichick and you are returning, you need a new DC and you need a new OC. And the report is that Greg Schiano is going to become the new DC replacing uh, Patricia. But there's a lot of uncertainty. There have been all these reports. I don't know that I believe them about the rift between Kraft, Belichick, Brady. When you're together that long, there's going to be some brotherly arguments. There's going to be some disagreements. There's going to be some differences of philosophies. So that's not a surprise. But is this thing over? That's what I think Patriots fans and some NFL fans want to know. Is this the end of the empire? Is Belichick leaving? Is Brady retiring? Is Gronk retiring? You've got your OC and DC leaving. What happens? This is going to be the most interesting offseason for the New England Patriots in the last 20 years. So we'll watch that carefully. But uh, Griggs, if this was it, it was quite a run for them. If it wasn't it, I think they still have, as long as Brady is healthy and he won the MVP again, oldest MVP in the history of the NFL, Like they're going to be... competing for Super Bowls for the next, I'd say, at least three or four years. Yeah, I mean, with Brady in there, they've always got a chance. I mean, we've seen his dynasty over the last years, and if Belichick sticks around, too, those two are obviously, there's something that works with those two. So I think, yeah, if they're they're still there, Patriots are probably still going to compete like they always do. But it's going to be interesting to see, because, I mean, you know, DC and OC, those are big positions. I mean, that's a big part of of an NFL team. Right. So there's going to be some different looks, obviously, with new coaches if it happens and and new defenses. So I think it's, I think you might see the the peak of going down the other side of the hill now. It's just depending on, is it going to be a quick turn or Brady and Belichick gone, or is it going to be slower next couple years? You'll see them phase out. So it'll be interesting. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Ergon Office, who manufacture beautiful, high-quality electronic standing desks. Co-founded by former hockey player Sam Finn, Ergon Office is on a mission to inspire people to live a more active lifestyle because the human body just wasn't meant to be sitting 13 hours a day. When I'm not in the recording studio, I have a home office and I like to alternate standing and sitting throughout the course of the day. If I don't, my back gets sore or it'll lock up. I also get an energy boost every time I stand and work or talk on the phone. Studies have proven alternating between sitting and standing leads to increased productivity and a reduction in muscle disorders like back pain or carpal tunnel, which cost society close to $50 billion annually in lost productivity and medical bills. What I love the most about Ergon Office is that the desks adjust using an embedded touchscreen, allowing you to switch seamlessly between a sitting and standing position in seconds. You can even save your preferred heights for more convenience. Ergon Office's height-adjustable desks are available in Canada and the United States. Change how you work and be healthier in the process. Ergon Office has beautiful, high-quality desks with a unique design, and they couldn't be easier to adjust. Their customer service is great, too, so they'll help you find the best desks that work for your needs. I'm a really big fan of this company. Check them out at ergonoffice.com backslash SBR and use the promo code SBR10 to get 10% off any standing desk. That's ergonoffice, E-R-G-O-N-O-F-I-S.com backslash SBR, promo code SBR10. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ergonoffice. Now back to our conversation. All right, let's talk more production around the game. We had Peter O'Reilly on our show a few weeks ago. If you missed that podcast, go back and listen to it. He's the NFL executive who was responsible for producing this game. Big job. 
one of the biggest parts of the job, Griggs, and you know, he said they do this in collaboration with Pepsi, is the halftime show. I know you're a big beatboxer. You're a big oh, yeah. Justin Timberlake fan. I thought the halftime show was solid. Uh, it's certainly not in my top five ever. I like JT a lot. Here are the problems I had. Number one, the sound quality was terrible. Mm-hmm. You couldn't hear JT's mic. So a lot of people on social media were like, turn up his mic. You can't hear him. And that's a problem. Um, I thought the dancing and, you know, the marching bands and, and all of that stuff was great. The moment for me, and we all wondered, like, is Prince going to be a part of this? Prince is from Minnesota, St. Paul. The Super Bowl is in his backyard. Obviously, we know Prince is no longer with us anymore. Like, how are they going to recognize Prince? And there were all these rumors on Saturday. There's going to be a hologram of Prince. And Sheila E., his friend, and others who knew him are like, that's blasphemy. Prince never wanted to be a hologram. Don't do it. <laughs> and people are up in arms. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it was hilarious for 24 hours. Like, yep. how is Prince going to be incorporated into the halftime show? So what they did is they brought up the big drapes. It wasn't a hologram. It was like pictures or video of Prince. I thought it was tasteful. Mm-hmm. I think the NFL and JT would have been just as criticized if they didn't recognize Prince at all, being in his backyard. But the coolest moment to me, and a lot of people inside the stadium, they never saw it, and I tweeted out a picture, I got a ton of retweets, was when they turned the downtown area purple and they had Prince's little logo kind of incorporated into the downtown area. And I thought that was really clever, it was creative, and it was classy. And, again, the people inside the arena couldn't see that. I don't know to this moment whether that was actually, like, if you were flying over the arena in an airplane, is that what you actually saw or was this CGI? (laughs) And, you know, you only saw it on TV. I I don't know how they pulled that off, but I really liked that moment. I thought that was the moment of the halftime show. And, you know, I like Justin Timberlake, super talented singer, can play the piano, dancer, you know, everything was choreographed perfectly, but for me, it still wasn't a top five halftime show. It was safe. You know, there were no yeah. wardrobe malfunctions or anything like that, and I don't think anyone would go, oh, that was terrible. But it, it wasn't It wasn't Michael Jackson. It wasn't U2. It wasn't even last year. I thought Lady Gaga was better. Her entrance coming down from, you know, and I was in Arizona when Katy Katy Perry Perry, did her show, and that was phenomenal. And I saw firsthand, like, the risks she was taking. Uh, I thought that was better than than what we saw from JT. What were your thoughts? Well, as you mentioned, I mean, Timberlake's one of my favorite, and I've seen him in concert, and he's phenomenal and uh, very talented. And I thought, yeah, I think the microphone was an issue. I knew that as soon as he came out and I couldn't hear him. I'm like, come on, guys. I mean, he's got to be the you've got to have his mic the forefront or right in the front. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a clean. I thought it was a safe uh, performance. I think it was uh, the thing I did like is I, I liked how much he moved all the stages. He was always moving. That was kind of cool because it kept you looking. Where is he going next? He was on the field a lot, which a lot of times you don't see him on the field. Like he was actually on the NFL logo and dancing around down there up in the crowd a little bit, did the selfie thing. I think it was cool. I mean, yeah, I think it was safe. Um, I thought the Prince, the purple thing, too, on the out, outside of the stadium was cool, too. That was neat. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it was just it was kind of a safe, just like, okay, that was cool. It wasn't like, whoa, that was amazing, or that sucked. I think it was just kind of middle of the road, mainstream. That was it. Yeah. Uh, other elements of the game, you know, the the 
post-game show, you know, I thought it was good. Did you see Kevin Hart trying to get to the stage? And I saw him to he, he couldn't get to the stage. <laughs> like, little Kevin Hart couldn't get out there. And as important as he is, like, he's like, That's wait funny. a minute, don't you know who I am? And, and, and they're not letting him up there. Yeah, that was funny. You know, I thought the interviews were good. Um, he was solid. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So here's the other thing. People want to know, like, the ratings and, and how those turned out. I don't have the audience numbers yet fully, but what we do, NBC says that the Super Bowl overnight rating was a 47.4 with a peak of a 52.2 in the fourth quarter. Obviously, fourth quarter was a competitive game. Halftime performance by Justin Timberlake drew a 48.1, so that was higher than the peak part. Well, not the peak part, but, you know, the game, the average rating for the game. The game was down 3% from last year's 48.8 overnight. So viewership totals will come. I'll tweet those out at SB Radio. But, you know, again, the Super Bowl is one of the most watched TV programs of the year, usually the most watched. Yeah. I think this will fall in line with that. If you're NBC, you sold out all your ads at $5.2 million yeah. for a 30-second spot. Uh, there were no... You know, chaotic elements of Mm -hmm. the game. You know, most people were like, okay, that was a catch by Ertz. It wasn't like one of those where you wake up this morning and you're like, that was such an outrageous call. It cost the Patriots a Super Bowl. Or, you know, where people are thinking that was the defining moment of the game. Mm -hmm. So, all in all, I thought it was a good Super Bowl. I wouldn't say it was like the most memorable Super Bowl ever. But it was a competitive game on the field. I mean, you hate when you have like a 55-10 blowout yeah. like the Seahawks with the Broncos a few years back. The other thing I'll say is this. NBC's been pretty lucky with their last few Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So they had this Super Bowl. The last one before that, they had Patriots and Seahawks when that came down to Butler. the end of the game. Yeah. The one before that, they had, I believe it was Steelers and Cardinals mm-hmm. when Santonio Holmes has that amazing catch in the last minute. So if you're NBC... Yeah. You're you're pretty happy with the competitiveness of the Super Bowls that you've watched. What did you think about Pink in the uh, national anthem? Uh well, so she forgot to take her chewing gum out. So yeah. that was like a big moment and yeah. lots of social media conversation <laughs> about that. I don't know how you forget that in that moment. Maybe it was planned. Maybe she's going to endorse chewing gum or something <laughs> like that. I don't really? know. <laughs> or you know, some people were like, "Hey, what if she, you know, she spit it out? What if it's on the field and, you know, someone steps <laughs> in the gum or I don't know. I, I thought it was all okay. So I guess the under was mm-hmm. what won yeah. on the anthem. Um, there were no, I don't think there were any two point conversions. Like there were no bizarre prop bets. We right. went back to last year was the first overtime in the history of the game. So the wise guys every year, as our friend Jay Root at MGM told us last year, the wise guys every year, they bet no overtime. It's like free money, right? Sure. Yeah. But last year they lost. Yeah. <laughs> so the, it caught up with them. This year we're back on the no overtime, but here's the thing, Griggs. If you bet that, you were sweating that out at the end of the game. Yeah, it could have happened. Could have yeah. happened. Yeah. But here's the other thing, and this was amazing. There was one better, and they've referred to him as Better X, <laughs> that spread $6 million in bets on the Eagles out across Vegas. Wow. He won. There were four other betters who bet over a million dollars on the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They all won. So I will be interested to see how Vegas did on the Super Bowl. My guess is they got hit hard. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the money, the spread was too big. I mean, it's easy to say that now, but even coming into the game, a lot of people were like, the spread should be uh, Patriots by three. 
you know, it started at five and a half. If you got it at five and a half, wow. Yeah. You know, then it came down to five. Then it was four and a half. Then it was four by kickoff. It was too big. And I think what it did is it encouraged big bets from Eagles fans. And that's what came in. And people were like, well, the Patriots may win the game, but they're not going to win by five and a half or five or four and a half or even four. And they won the game outright. So, uh, the smart money obviously came in on the Eagles, but some big, big bets in Las Vegas on the Eagles. So the other thing is there were all kinds of reactions from people to the Eagles winning their first Super Bowl. And, you know, I have some friends who were in Philadelphia. I had a friend who was in a full Eagles suit. Like it had the Eagles logo on it and full suit tie. He was at the game. You know, this was his kind of Chicago Cubs moment, right? right? Like, you've been a lifelong Eagles fan. You've dreamt of this moment, and you got it. Uh, our friend Brian at Twitter, he's been an Eagles fan, a Philly fan forever. He got his moment. But maybe the most widely seen moment was Kobe Bryant. <laughs> and if you just, you know, go on to social media and search Kobe Bryant, you'll see his moment. But it was cool because here's Kobe Bryant. You know, he grew up in Philadelphia, he has, you know, been a champion himself. He's done all these things, but he turned into a fan. And yeah. you saw him, like, celebrating in front of his TV. <laughs> it was kind of cute. His wife, you know, took the video, then posted it on social media. And you're like, wow, even Kobe Bryant is super excited that the Eagles won their first title. And isn't it cool that he's kind of reduced to a common yeah. fan like the rest of the Eagles fans? I love that, too, because it's like when you see these guys that are athletes their whole life and so focused, it's fun to see him be a be a kid, you know? My right. team won! He's, bent, he's got his kid in his hand running around the living room. Yep. I love that. And that's part of the fun thing of the after the game, too. You see all the Eagles social media and the Twitter reaction and these videos of fans going crazy. It's fun. I mean, that's the fun side of it. But yeah, Kobe's reaction was awesome. Perfect. Mike Trout plays yeah, for the Angels Trout. also at the game. Uh, huge Eagles fan, huge Philly fan, so it was cool that he was excited. Congratulations to J.J. Watt, who was the NFL's Man of the Year, raised $37 million yep. for hurricane relief in the Texas area. Just well-deserved. Like, if anyone's ever deserved that award, for sure. he deserved it this year. Um, and then Tom Brady won the MVP. Sean McVay was the NFL Coach of the Year. How about that? You yep. know, Youngest coach in the NFL. A lot of people, including myself, I'd never heard of him mm -hmm. last year at this time. The Rams hire him, and you're like, who's that guy? And then he's NFL Coach of the Year and did a great job with the Rams. So uh, it's going to be an interesting season next year. I would expect with Wentz healthy that the Eagles are going to be back in the mix. You know the Patriots, if Brady's back, they're going to be in the mix. But it is going to be interesting to see what happens there. I'm going to be real interested to see what happens in Pittsburgh as well with the Steelers. Does Big Ben come back? Can they sign Le'Veon Bell? What happens with Antonio Brown? Looks like, you know, Mike Tomlin's going to continue to be the coach. Maybe there are some changes with his staff. Um, and then, you know, you've got some interesting quarterbacks coming into the league. But all in all, an interesting NFL season, Griggs, that comes to a close. Ratings down. Uh, we had protests that made huge news. NFL lost some sponsors. But overall, you know, people have to remember the NFL, even though things may be down a little bit for them, their viewership, their revenues, their popularity is still better than any other sports league. And, you know, I'm sure the other sports leagues would take their numbers any day of the week. All right. A reminder, go back and listen to my interview with Peter O'Reilly from the NFL, Senior VP of Events, if you missed that. Also, last week, we had Justin Forsett, former NFL Pro Bowl player on the show. 
he was on Shark Tank, and that was a real interesting conversation with him and how he got onto Shark Tank and then his product shower pill, the pitch to the sharks. And that was uh, a great interview with him as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to leave with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. Past Sports PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. Get a man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.